Hey everybody, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It, Roswell 1999 edition. This week, Megan and I are talking about the original Roswell TV show. This is season one, episode eight, Blood Brother. My name is Emily and I should be working on my story. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Try it again, Sam. writing on my book. My name is Megan and I should be drawing my storyboards. But instead, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. And for anyone who's just listening in the first time, I've seen 90% of the series. Meg has not really seen any of it. And we're just talking about it because it's fun. I feel like you've seen much less than 90%. Probably. 82%. 63%. No, I'm counting a lot more because the episodes I have watched, I've watched over and over and over again. Okay, but but that's not a bigger percentage of the show itself. You get that, right? If you eat the same 3% nine times, that doesn't work. That's not how matter works. What I'm saying is, if you have only read the first Narnia book, but you've read it 10 times, you haven't read 200% of the Narnia books. You've only read 20%. But it counts. No. No. My whole point (laughs) is that it doesn't. Welcome. Welcome to math, everyone. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the curtain back a little bit and just let you guys know. I'm not that good at math. Well, this isn't a math podcast. It's a TV and books Thank podcast. So goodness. here we go. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? So real quick recap. This week, uh, there was a car accident uh, <laughs> and some federal offenses. Car versus horse. A lot of malarkey happened. And there's a lot of yelling at the screen. <laughs> There wasn't as much molecular malarkey as I think there could have been. What else did you think of it? Inappropriate. (laughs) Inappropriate. Time seven. Inappropriate. (laughs) And I found out, we found out for sure what grade the kids are in. And they're all sophomores. Which just, I mean, I thought they were seniors for some reason. But I mean, if you want to have many seasons in high school, of course you set them as sophomores. But this has just made like all of the adult student interactions that much more like weird and uncomfortable. (laughs) I am going to start, you guys, this is my, you are my witnesses. I'm going to start keeping a tally in each episode of how many times Megan screams at the TV. Inappropriate! (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) i want to okay i want to what percentage of counting does that include (laughs) well if you want to count it but you don't actually count it that's actually zero percent okay how much do i need for a passing grade um it depends on what school you go to but uh f's are usually below 65 percent 
passing it. So for a passing grade, you need basically 66 or above. All right. Anything you want to talk about before we start the episode? Apparently not. (laughs) Awesome. Checked in with my brain and it's got nothing. So we start out at the school with Max and Liz um, having some, having a conversation, but having an undercurrent other conversation at the same time. Um, they're not dating. They're definitely not dating. Don't say they're dating. But they... Don't even think it. They feel a certain way about each other. Yes. Even though they're not supposed to, as we were reminded in the previously on. I guess their teacher is out, and so Max is just like, great, we don't have to go to this class. And Liz, the honor student that she is, is like, uh, we do. We actually do have to go to class. And he's like, but I want to show you something. And she's immediately like, okay. Oh, wait, 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 okay, wait, wait, let's wait, go. wait, 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 Sorry, wait, sorry, wait. sorry. What, 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 what? We find out they have fifth period lunch, which is ridiculous because there's only seven periods in a day. <laughs> Maybe there's eight. Anyway, I feel like these poor kids are having lunch at like two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> And I'm like, maybe if their blood sugar levels were higher, they wouldn't make these bad decisions. But their fourth period teacher's out, and they have fifth period lunch. So they're going to skip on fourth period and take two hours off of school to go joyriding. Um, I can't remember in... Okay, I definitely remember in high school we had A days and B days. So you had, you know, classes one through four on your A days and, you know, five through eight or whatever on your other ones. I swear in junior high, I had the same ones every day, but maybe I misremember. Yeah. No, no, no. You are correct. Our junior high, we would have seven periods and you would have them all day long. But in high school, we only had like four, Mm -hmm. but we would alternate which day they happened. Which, listen, you guys, by my senior year, I had a really good... I had three music classes that I was taking, and it was just a joy. It was wonderful. That's all. So I maxed out my fine arts credits. I needed to graduate high school when I was in ninth grade. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, you need to take more math and science. And I'm like, do I, though? Do I? I did. It was not fun. Listen, I, I enjoy sciences. And math, yes, to a certain extent. But man, the numbers, the the amount of each you have to take to get stuff, messed up. Don't like it. I feel like I also had it really easy. Because by the time our youngest sister was in high school, she had to take like financial literacy. Like it was, an, it was a required class. And like all of these like really I tough had to take that required one. classes. Man, they must have passed that like either the year after I left or just a few years after I left because like I said, I took I took two choir classes and an orchestra class my senior year. I had like two English classes and I think I did have math. Pretty sure I had at least one math class. But like it was very it was very like smooth sailing for me. <laughs> but like <laughs> My other sisters, like Megan has just said, they had to take extra classes in order to pass. 
like outside of outside of high school because because the school's like you can't take four classes of music anymore. We're putting the kibosh on there. Although although I did game the system a bit. I was allowed to take marching band instead of a PE class in high school. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you. That counts. That totally counts. Yeah. Anyways, we should start counting the classes that Max and Liz have and what classes they're taking and if they keep the teachers straight. Okay, they definitely, um, in this episode, Liz has honors English she's supposed to get to. Max has trigonometry. And their fourth period, I don't think they say what class it is, but Mrs. Harvey is the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then in an earlier episode, they have history together, where they did that really creepy personal history project. They also have science class together. That's right. Where they uh, did DNA tests and saw each other's cells, which becomes relevant to this episode. So, sorry, that was a tangent, but guess what? We're having too much fun with this and we don't apologize for it so there so max has persuaded liz to cut class which max now in my book is a very bad influence because I'll liz say, is an honor student druggy <laughs> okay guys this is very telling of me as well i promise we're actually going to get to the actual plot of the show i never skipped a class ever i never cut school Anytime, except for after my AP Lit test, um, everyone left school because after you have an AP test, your brain's kind of fried. And so everyone just left, everyone in my class. And I was freaking out because I'm like, I've never skipped school before. And this is like the last three weeks of senior year. I ended up calling dad and was like, can you check me out of school so that I don't get in trouble? Um, okay, literal inverse of that situation. After my AP Lit class, I go up to my drama teacher and said, hey, uh, I'm cutting class. I'm cutting musical theater today to go out and eat with my friends. And he's like, you'll have an unexcused absence. I'm like, yeah, I know. Our school had implemented this attendance policy where if you had one unexcused absence, you failed the class. They had this attendance school, it was like detention, where you could go to attendance school um, every morning of attendance school you went to, it took off like 25% of an unexcused absence, something like that. But this was so close to the end of the year, there was no way that I could work it off before school was over. And so our drama teacher was like, you'll get an incomplete for the class. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, no, 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 Megan, it won't show up on your report card at all. And I was like, okay, A, <laughs> I don't need the credit for this class because as previously discussed, I had maxed out all my fine arts credits as a ninth grader. And B, I'm not going to call my mom and ask her to let me skip school. I'm just going to skip it. And yeah, I'm like, you know what? I know the consequences. I'm informing you that I know the consequences. I'm going to take the consequences anyway. And I'm sure he was like, what the? Because I was, I, was I was a pretty good student. And it, I think it just sort of boggled his mind that I was like, hey, yeah, I don't need this. I'm going to go. Because <laughs> my friends all got their parents to excuse them. And I'm like, no, no, I'm cutting class for realsies. 
Also, one time I cut class for realsies. I cut a uh, seminary and lunch together to go drive out somewhere and get me uh, some food because I was really sad about some stuff that was happening. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm cutting class today. So, but seminary didn't count towards our seminary didn't count towards our school attendance. So I didn't get in trouble for that one. Listen, guys, they had it so easy. They had access to the family cars. <laughs> I did not have to ride the bus because we didn't have an available extra car when I was in high school. <laughs> there you go. I can't even remember know. where we went for AP Lit. Was it Denny's? It was probably Denny's. We went to Cold Stone. We didn't even get real food. So, yeah. So, we've got Liz and Max who are just out for a drive. They don't even go anywhere in particular. They go to the old abandoned highway. They're not, they're just taking a drive and it's beautiful. And Liz is, is just kind of sitting there, just kind of basking in the idea that, oh, I'm here with Max and this is really fun. (laughs) And, and then apparently her song comes on the radio and, and she's like, oh, I love this song. And Max goes, me too. And, and we have this voiceover from Liz where she's talking about how, what are the, not what are the odds exactly, but just this moment is the perfect moment because the song that perfectly describes her is playing while they're on their way, just driving together alone. And the person she happens to really like also likes it as well. Listen, I think one of the reasons I like this show so much is that they, I feel like they really get the teenage voice and the teenage experience because yeah, when you're alone with the person that you're attracted to and everything's just falling into place, oh, you know, those are the days. Um, the song that's playing, I looked it up because Megan, what did the subtitle say this song was? Pop song. (laughs) That's all. I'm like, what song is it? And you're like, I don't know, pop song. It just says pop song. So it's called You Make Me Feel by Jeremy Toback, which I've never heard before. But disaster strikes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, during this whole scene and they keep making moon eyes at each other. I keep screaming at the TV. Watch the road. Watch the road. <laughs> Watch where you're driving. It's not just glances at each other. It's full on turn and stare into each other's eyes. Stare, stare, stare. Back of the road. Back at each other. Stare, stare, stare. Um, and then uh, something happens, Megan. What happens? They almost kill a horse. In Roswell, New Mexico, a horse just runs into the middle of the road. I don't know if there's wild horses out in Roswell, New Mexico. I, it's, listen, I don't know. It's highly possible they're trespassing on private property. This they're on true. this dirt road in the middle of nowhere, and Max is like, it's the old highway. But it could, it could be on someone's ranch. And they veer off the road. Liz comes to... But Max is not moving, and he's, like, slumped over on the steering wheel. Liz comes to, and Max does not. He is unconscious. <laughs> and so we have the the opening song and credits play, and Megan goes, oh, That's a new scene. There's a new scene in there. 
There was a single shot in the opening credits that hadn't appeared in the opening credits before, and it's Max and Liz running away from something. It's near the end. So that's something to look forward to. The episode picks back up, and the ambulance has come. Max and Liz are both in the same ambulance um, heading to the hospital. Max is still unconscious. Is my ambulance noise? Yeah, Max is really unconscious, but his vi- <laughs> it was very funny because they're like, blood pressure, 124 over 75. And I'm like, that doesn't seem that bad. And then someone else says, his vitals are good. And I was like, oh, okay, nice. <laughs> so they're on their way to the hospital, and we come across Maria and Michael, who run to each other in the hallway, and there is a lot of tension there because... They kissed in the last episode and then left. Like, they kissed, turned around and left. And Maria is just like, what is going on? Are you avoiding me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Something surprising happens here. I think we've maybe talked about this a little bit before. Um, Liz calls Maria on her cell phone. Maria and Michael immediately knows something has happened. And like I said, I think we've talked about this before. Giving your characters cell phones is, uh, there's pros and cons to this. And here it's a pro. Yeah, um, there's apparently no caller ID on this cell phone. Because Maria picks her up, hers up and says, Mom, stop calling me. And it's Liz. And she's like, Maria, it's me. There's been a terrible accident. So they run into the hospital. Megan, this is where the first time you said, this is why you don't skip school. This is why you don't skip school. You don't get, skip school, kids. You get in a car crash and then everyone finds out. So there's a flurry going on. And the biggest thing is that they want to draw blood. And we're reminded that Max's blood does not look normal. And if anyone sees it, they're going to know immediately something is up. So cue the big tension building mystery, whatever piece for the episode. And then immediately you ratchet the tension up even more because somehow the school knows that these kids are in the hospital. Yeah. Which, listen, no, they wouldn't. Uh, Because this is definitely, we're running into some HIPAA violations in here. The hospital would not release to the school the fact that they have two of their students. And they probably, okay, listen, even if they did, which they wouldn't, I can't imagine that they would give the names of the students either. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Your students, Emily and Megan, are in the hospital. Oh, no. Like, that just, it's not going to happen that way. Yep. And then Miss Topolsky, inappropriate, is like, Oh, I know these students personally. I am going to make sure. I'm going to make sure they're okay, principal. Let me handle everything. And I'm like, again, inappropriate. Inappropriate. So like we said, they want to take their blood. Immediately, Miss Topolsky is like, hey, I'm going to take care of this. She's on the phone calling her contact saying, get to the hospital. This is our chance to get something that we can use. So we've got all this tension. And then we have a third bit of tension uh, where we see them actually take the blood. And Isabel, Maria, Michael, and Liz are just standing there watching these people take Max's blood. So I feel like these three beats are poised. Is that the right word? They're placed. They're placed 
okay, correct me if I'm wrong, storytelling wise, they're placed in a really good, a really good bit, really close together to really ratchet up the tension. Does that make sense? Yeah. What, what three beats do you mean? So first one is they're in the hospital. They want to take the blood. Okay. Um, this is just Maria or sorry, this is just Liz and just Max. Okay. Immediate next scene is Miss Topolsky finding out and calling her people saying, get down to the hospital. So there's the second bit of really intense tension. Third piece is everyone's there. They cannot stop the blood being taken. And we all know that's bad. And so I feel like for the setup of this episode, they did a really good job, like ratcheting the tension up at the beginning Mm -hmm. rather than having a really slow... Yeah, rather than having a really slow start and just kind of going like, you know, they're just immediately like, boom, boom, boom. Here we go. They set the stage. Yes. All the kids are watching the blood being taken away. And Michael's just like, I'm on it. And he follows the nurse, Susan, I believe her name is, to go get the blood. Susan. Okay, no. First, he flirts with Susan at Max's bedside and... Listen, Emily, you are like, mm, she's letting him down easy. And I'm like, no, no. She's reciprocating. They're giving each other eyes and smiles and eyebrows. And I'm like, stop it, Susan. And I mean, she's clearly much older than them. I mean, like, it'd be different if it was like, you know, who normally draws blood? Oh, residents or, you know, med students. Uh... All I'm saying is if they had had clearly like a college-aged nurse, I would have bought this flirtation between the nurse and the high school student much more than I would between this woman in her 30s and a boy half her age. Because if they're sophomores, this kid's only 15 years old. I'm also going to give her a pass. I don't know why I'm so set on giving don't her a pass. give her a we'll pass. We'll delve into that later. <laughs> he doesn't look 15. He looks much older. Emily, she knows who she has on her table. She knows her patient history. She knows the kid she has is 15. And all of his school friends come in. You're going to bet that they're all 15, 16. And That's this true. does like tie into the bigger TV problem that... We cast much older characters to play younger characters, and we style our teens to look like adults. But I mean, like, in the reality of this world, this is what 15-year-old boys look like. Don't give her a pass. If anything, okay. yell at the writers more. I will. We'll, we'll yell at them. Come. It'll, okay. it'll come. So um, Michael goes after the nurse to get the blood, and leaves everyone behind and Liz talks to Isabel and it's just like well what do you guys do normally and Isabel's just like this has never happened before with the unspoken line being until you showed up and messed this all up Liz this is all your fault I can't believe we have to deal with this why me they've never been sick before and so I go snort Who's ever been hospital sick before? And Emily goes, people have. You have. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had uh, mystery pains in the third grade. I did get blood drawn for that. So technically, 
I've been hospital sick. Max doesn't have a spastic colon, though. He just had a case of bad driving. They realize that if they can't just make the blood disappear, even if Michael is able to get his hands on this, it's just not going to work if they're expecting to test blood. And Liz rightly points out that um, they will be able to tell the difference between male and female blood. Which, listen, hang on. I would like to rewind and freeze. Okay. I have issues with what the doctor is asking for. Okay. Why would what you is the doctor asking for? A blood panel. Why would you need a blood panel for a case with a clear external cause? Like, why did Max crash his car? There was a horse in the way. Like, there was, there were all external physical factors. It wasn't that, okay, if he had fainted at the wheel, if he had gotten lightheaded beforehand, if he had been showing other symptoms, then I, like, I get the blood panel. But we don't have, like, we don't need deductive medicine. We already know what's wrong. There's Can no... Step in? There's no need for can a blood I, panel. Can, what? Yeah. Can I step in? Yeah. I'm going to quote a famous doctor. Is it House? It's house. <laughs> and the quote is, people lie. No, but... And so here, can, can, I, can I explain? Listen, A, I hear where you're coming from. B, this is where I'm coming from. They don't know how long he's going to be out even if someone says, no, this kid doesn't take drugs, they you have to be 100% sure before you administer anything to a patient because drugs interact, things like that. They don't know how fast his parents are going to get there, even okay. when they do ID him. That is so fair. I'm thinking this is a preventative measure of if we have to give this kid something, maybe he takes medication that we don't know about. You know, maybe... Anyway, that's, that is why I was okay with... Okay. Them taking blood just to get, like, a baseline for this kid. Well, okay. My second beef is that he's clearly got head trauma, right? I mean, he right. hit the steering wheel. He has a gigantic, uh, not occlusion. What's the word I'm looking for? Not incision. Goose Not abrasion. Maybe abrasion. Contusion. Basically, contusion. That's the one. He's got a huge bleeding contusion on his forehead. There's clearly been head trauma. They don't do a CT scan. The mom later is like, we don't need an MRI. Like, they don't do anything to treat clearly the head trauma he actually has. They're just like, check if there's anything. Listen, I, I know they needed to ride us into a corner where we needed to take Max's blood. I get that. I'm just saying, this isn't medically right. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Heigl could have told them what's what a few years down the road, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So they realize the gang, the alien gang, realizes that if the blood just disappears, that's going to look suspicious and they'll just come redraw the blood anyway. So they realize they need a male's blood. And so they go to the one male friend that would probably actually do this. Forget Kyle. They ask Kyle to do this. He'd laugh in their face. <laughs> they go get Alex, your favorite. They go I get Javert. I love Alex. I love Alex. I, listen, 
also love Alex. I liked him in this episode. I could not get over his pants. <laughs> tell us tell us about his pants and what do they look like? Each leg is like a foot wide in diameter. And he's a skinny dude. So he looks like he is wearing um, a cotillion gown the entire <laughs> episode. <laughs> Also, he's got a real big chain on them as well. Which Megan was like, why do they wear a chain? And I was just getting like flashbacks from the sixth grade because that was the style for guys. You just had this, you just, oh, they would just wear a chain. I don't know what was attached to it. I don't know, but it's historically accurate. I'm nodding for those who, for those who can't see. Cause I was like. Flashing back to my junior high, high school days with the big pants and big, big chains. Yep. Meg, we're going to skip over just Michael and Susan scene really fast and then come back to it. I want to talk about Alex some more. Um, Alex does it, not without reservations, but I was thinking that, because like I said, I don't remember this episode very well. I was thinking they were going to have to sit down and like promise him all these things in order to get him to even consider doing this. But no, the next time we see Alex, he's sitting down in a chair in the hospital and they already have all the equipment ready to draw his blood. Like they have wasted zero time and it's like, get in the chair. We're going to stick it. It's great. And who's going to do it, Megan? Who's going to, who's going to draw his blood? Initially, Liz is like, oh, I volunteered here during the summer. I've watched people do this thousands of times. And I'm like, Elizabeth, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, And Isabel is finally like, move over. And she tells Alex, it's better if you don't look, which he doesn't. And it's a good thing. Because what if he's like, no, I'm brave. I'll look. Y'all, she uses her molecule powers to pull the blood out of his arm and put it in the needle. So um, our family is needle phobic. Everybody in our family. Maybe not everybody. Are you, Megan? I am, for sure. I'm not. So I will admit that I didn't really watch this part very closely. <laughs> because I was so afraid they were going to show a stick. <laughs> Stick him with the needle and I can't handle it. Okay, so it's the kind where it's um probably inch and a half, two inch syringe coming out from the bottom of a uh, capped cartridge, pretty much. So and it's um a pressure cartridge that breaks the seal. So you push it in. It's like when you push the cap of a pen. So like when you push in, you get the blood and it just shoots right in that little capsule and then you pull it out. You cap it, you put the label on it and everything. Great. No, you're supposed to put the label on first. Okay, where did they make the label? I I was also wondering that. I guess since Liz volunteered, maybe she made labels. But again, that's HIPAA information she would not have been privy to doing. Maybe Isabel used her molecule magic. This very convenient molecule magic. Oh, tangent. Also, really fast. Guys, it's the beginning of 2021, the vaccine is out now for the COVID-19. I cannot tell you, remember, we're all needle phobic here in the household that I live in. Oh, Megan, She doesn't live here. You cannot, oh my gosh, scrolling through news articles, watching the news, 
They are just showing people with needles in their arms left and right. And I get physically ill when we watch the news. And I'm sitting there and my dad's sitting there and we're both going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. And I'm the sort of person who would cross-stitch designs into the palm of my hands as a kid. Like, what? you know, With you thread? just, yeah, you don't, you don't poke far enough to draw blood, but you got a couple layers of skin. You can actually like put fake stitches in your hands if you want to, you know, pretend like you're a warrior person who has stitches and things. I realized as I got older that, oh my gosh, hey, that's not sanitary with either the thread or the needles, but you know, you just stitch some stuff in your and your it looks cool <laughs> never <laughs> never have i ever known that about um, you <laughs> also during the summertime i would do this thing every summer where i would try and get what i called hobbit feet so i would go barefoot absolutely everywhere and i would walk on the hot hot asphalt roads uh, to the point where I would get blisters, but by the end of the summer, the <laughs> I had very tough undersoles, like a hobbit. And at the end of each summer, I would see how far I could stick a needle into the sole of my no, foot. Megan! No, Megan! No, Megan! No, Megan! Megan! No, no. The only no. reason I started wearing shoes is when I turned eighteen. I legally had to. It was very funny. I came back to visit high school and I walked into the choir room and one of the, then a senior who had known me when they were a sophomore, I walked in and they stand up and scream, you're wearing shoes? I did this uh, social experiment in high school where I would not wear shoes, but I would, the rest of my outfit would be like really carefully and nicely put together. And I would make eye contact and smile with people and like engage. Um, to see how many people ever noticed that I didn't wear shoes. And I only had one teacher ever call me on it. And she's like, you can do what you want, but you have to wear shoes in my classroom. So I made a big show of keeping a pair of flip-flops in my locker that I would put on whenever I went to her class. But yeah, what there you go. What teacher was it? Uh, it was my English teacher. That makes sense that it was her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so back on track, um, <laughs> they have pulled the blood and are on their way to deliver it to Michael, who has followed Susan into the work area with racks and racks and trays and trays of these unattended blood vials. That are not refrigerated. I thought, I thought they were supposed to be refrigerated. Me too. Um, but, mm, I don't know. Um, so Michael is frantically looking through it trying to find it before um or before she she runs any tests so that they can at least stall it a little bit so michael uh is in there well first he flirts Susie out of the room gross especially the moment oh that's at the tail end but it's just gross he's crouched behind something i don't know what because like also shelf. Yeah, all, but it's it's not a solid shelf. Like, it's got gaps in it. What do you call those? Racks. Racks? Yeah, it's it's racks with a lot of little shelves on it. And 
the FBI agent who's dressed up as a medic comes in. And Susie comes in, and neither of them at any point see Michael crouched behind the racks. <sighs> because the FBI agent is also looking for the blood. And has Michael, did Michael find, no, the guy found it. But then Susie comes in and is just like, what are you doing here? And he just leaves without a word, without the blood. She goes and picks it up and is getting ready to work on it when Michael, like, sneaks back out and then stands in the doorway and is like, hi, Susan. <laughs> <sighs> and do you know what she says to him? She says, call me when you turn 18. Listen, a person does not instantly become an adult when midnight hits on their 18th birthday. It's... You do legally. No, em- Emily... Why are you being devil's advocate on this? I've been watching a lot of uh, legal shows, and so <sighs> if I were to be a lawyer arguing this scene, I would argue at midnight on his birthday legally that's not okay. against the law. But morally, I agree with you, Megan. It's just if someone who is 20 years older than you is trying to date you, it means they can't get it with anyone <laughs> Who's their equal? And like, listen, I know there's always exceptions and there are like large age gaps in real world relationships, but y'all proceed with caution. Just don't be gross. Is that so much to ask? Okay. Don't be gross. That is a great jargon to have, a great life motto. Whatever. Let's let's leave this scene. It's not relevant anymore. <laughs> It's not. They get where they come from. Oh, because um, they're able, uh, Liz or Maria is able to smuggle the new vial of blood, which is Alex's blood, into Michael's hand. And he's able to, like, sleight of hand, get it, get it there. So, like I said, Alex has given the blood. He's sitting there in the waiting room with everyone else waiting for news. And he's clearly anxious. His legs jiggling and bouncing up and down and, and everything. And, um, you know... And I'm just like, oh, they're going to pull him into the fold. And so this goes on for a few minutes. And Liz leans over to whisper in Alex's ear. And I'm just like, oh, wow. She's going to tell him here in the middle of all of this. And she goes, Alex, I think you should go home. (laughs) And he just looks at her like, excuse me? And he rightfully points out that what he just did, he could get arrested for. That is, I don't know if it's a felony. No one ever states it. Not that I would believe it if anyone in a TV show said, you know, I would have to look it up. But, yes, uh, definitely illegal. But he'd only be charged as a misdemeanor because as previously stated, they're all minors. <laughs> <laughs> so he's ready for some answers and he's pretty much not going to leave until... He gets them, and that's when Michael also steps in and says, no, you go home now. And they all kind of, like, come together and shut him out of whatever is going on, even though he literally came in and saved their bacon. Liz goes after Alex because he's very, very upset. She just goes up to him not to tell him, but just to try and find out and make sure he's not going to tell anyone else what just happened. And we're reminded again that these two have grown up together and have been friends for a long time. Because, well, again, only it's a five small years, town. apparently. Listen, we don't know that yet, okay? 
It's a small town. Everyone's in everyone's lives all the time. And Alex has a really great moment of vulnerability because he realizes how stupid he's been where he's like, you just call your buddy Alex up who's going to do whatever you say and points out how unfair this is that he did this because he trusts her and she doesn't trust him enough to tell him the truth. And she, she can't. And so she tells him it's drugs that they're covering for Max because of drugs that he was high and he crashed the car and they can't use Michael's blood because Michael's also high and he is, Alex is so upset. He is so upset. So, so Alex, yeah, Alex is conjecturing all of this, uh, where he's like, you needed it because Max is high and Michael's probably just as high. Right? Right? And Liz is like, um, yes, exactly. (laughs) You got it in one. But, but with, with a serious face on. Yeah. And she is really upset about this because... She doesn't like lying. Remember, Liz is not good at lying. She's gotten better at lying. But she she feels really bad about what's happened. And I I feel like they did a good job with that because, okay, I mean, it, a lot of times I feel like I state the extremely obvious thing. And I apologize for that, guys. I'm just, this is live. I'm just trying to, like, throw a bunch of conjectures out there. Anyways, um, it wouldn't have been a big deal if Liz was a liar because this wouldn't have meant anything emotionally to her. But because she is quote unquote the good girl and this is a friend who she's been loyal to, he's been loyal to her, it's really hurting her to lie to him even though she knows she cannot tell him. She cannot do that. And she doesn't break down and say, okay, it's aliens, you know, because she can't, she can't betray the alien gang, the alien bunch. And so I feel like her character is put in a really um, interesting position because she's caught between these two people that she loves and is loyal to. And I, I liked that um, kind of emotional temperature at this point of the episode. Poor Alex. I just, I were Alex. He has skills and poise that no one else in their group does they need him on their side like as is clearly evident by the end of the episode but we're not there yet but i mean come on you need alex on your team as alex walks away isabel comes to get liz and tells him that max is awake and he's being examined by the doctor their mom is there um he the doctor wants to give him an mri and wants to keep him overnight and wants to do all of these things. And Max is just like, nope, I could go home. It's fine. I don't need this. <sighs> they don't do a CT or an MRI. Okay, listen. Grey's Anatomy super spoilers. If you haven't listened to Grey's Anatomy, jump ahead. I'm probably going to rant about this for a solid minute. But this is how, spoiler, 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 Derek Shepard died as he was in a MVA, a moving vehicular accident, and they didn't CT scan. They missed bleeding in his brain, and he died. I mean, if you've got external head trauma, you've got to check the internal head trauma. 
I mean, come on, the brain's really important, and it just... Max's mother should sue. <laughs> I mean, he's fine, because he's magical and molecular and all that, but I mean, I know his cells are different, but cellular level doesn't show up on an MRI. I don't know, like, I... Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Nothing, I get it, it's dangerous, they can't do it, but I mean... These doctors, I mean, geez, the kid was unconscious for an extended period of time. Yeah, if you're unconscious for longer than, like, a few minutes, that is not good. Yeah. But I also wonder if, because they mentioned, Isabel and and Max and Michael mentioned that they don't get sick, they've never been in the hospital. They don't know if their bones are different. They don't know if, like, something weird's going to show up on the MRI or anything like that. So they're probably also very wary of any sort of tests like that. But here's what you do. You use your moleculing machine to break the MRI. <laughs> no, never mind. That's a bad idea. Forget I said anything. So he convinces them to take him home. And they go home, but not before Max introduces Liz to his mother. Just bam. Hello, this is the girl I skipped school with and got into a car accident. (laughs) She, the mom looks like she's been waiting to meet Liz. Like, she obviously knows there's a girl. At least that's what I got out of the episode, is that she knew. And now she's meeting who she knows is a very significant other for her son. So, Mm -hmm. not the best circumstances to meet your significant other's parents in that, hey, guess what? We were doing something we shouldn't have been doing. Probably drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Probably drugs. No one's going to say anything different. So they're heading out and Maria realizes she's forgotten her purse and she makes Michael go back and get it. (laughs) I think it's so funny because she's like, she doesn't even ask him to go get it. Does she? She's just like, oh, my purse is back there. And then waits expectantly. Yeah. Like, like she knows what she wants. And she knows that Michael knows what she wants. And she's not going to spell it out. And so he goes back and gets it. Realizes that um, some of the people that have been tailing them around in earlier adventures are there looking through Max's paperwork and going through the trash. And, uh... Michael brings this up to Max and Isabel later, and they're just like, well, that's fine. And I'm like, DNA! DNA! It's everywhere! Dandruff, hair, skin cells. It's going to be all over that hospital bed, and they are not Mm -hmm. worried. I feel like they should have been as worried with the hospital bedding as they were with the blood test. Right? Because, you know what? Hair has DNA clothing is gonna have skin cells on it i mean liz just found from a scraping inside his mouth there's dna everywhere also i feel like this should make mr polsky's job so much easier she just needs some of his hair so the aliens are all later together at max's house and isabel's house and again max has been very flippant where there's nothing for them to find There's nothing for them to find. And Michael brings up the point that, listen, this keeps happening. People keep getting close to us. And Isabel says, well, the only thing left to do is run. And Michael's like, that's not really it. And Meg's like, 
man, it's been a few episodes since Michael's wanted to murder anybody. <laughs> yep. So, which he doesn't want to murder anyone. He wants to get dirt on the other people before they can get dirt on them, which is a pretty great tactical move, I think, short of murdering someone. Michael has decided they're going to get the jump on anybody else. And Isabel is like, not super on board with this. And neither is Max because they think it's just going to make it worse. But listen, guys, Michael has wanted to kill people before. And so this is a good, like, de-escalation. Let him have this, okay? <laughs> we go over to Miss Topolsky and the FBI agent. And they put all the pieces together where they realize the blood is missing. They realize a lot of people were there specifically for Max. And the other FBI agent brings up that there was another kid. And he starts describing it. And Miss Sapolsky goes, <laughs> Alex. Yeah, she knows exactly who this kid is. So, Meg, I'm going to let you tell about the next part because uh, you have some feelings about this. Oh, is this Alex and Kyle talking? Yes. These poor boys. These poor boys. Those are all the feelings I have. <laughs> um. So Alex goes to sit by Kyle at lunch and Kyle is like, why are you sitting with me? Don't you have anyone else you can sit with? And Alex is just like, listen, man, I'm just, I just need somewhere to eat. Everywhere else is full. There's no one else to sit by. And and this is, to me, a very sad scene of a friendship that might have been. Because clearly, um, if Liz had been dating Alex for, sorry, if, yeah, if Liz had been dating Alex for so long, Alex would have hung with their friend group every, correct, if Liz had been dating Kyle for so long, then Kyle would have been hanging out with their friend group every day. So until they broke up, it's clear that Alex and Kyle would have spent time together and like would have obliquely at least known each other. And it's just, it's sad that now there's all this animosity between them. And there's, there's just nothing except Kyle says to Alex, oh... She sent one of her B-rank spies to see if I've told anybody about what I know. Which, neither of these boys are talking about the same thing. Because Kyle is talking about the road trip episode and the seedy motel nonsense. And Alex thinks they're talking about hardcore drugs. And these poor boys, they just need better friendships. And I... Here's one thing I really appreciate about Roswell is they didn't just make Kyle the big, dumb, mean jock. He is smart and he is observant and he knows exactly what to say that will be hurtful to Alex because he is hurting. And so he's going to make other people hurt at this point. Um, He's just like, you know, I just can't believe she sent, she sent you, not even Maria, like, and he's, he's obviously, what's the word I'm looking for? Projecting. Kyle is projecting his fears and insecurities onto the situation. Um, and Alex is just left baffled by this whole conversation and is getting more of the wrong ideas of, wow, Liz really is into something bad and it's drugs. Like he, he has every right to think that. So Mm -hmm. I... Again, I feel like I just state the obvious all the time. I'm trying to get better at this. I thought this was one of the best scenes of the episode. Yeah. 
emotionally and character wise because Mm -hmm. because it didn't just feel tacked on like oh we haven't seen kyle in a minute here let's just stick him in there kyle is still dealing with the aftermath of all of this which is still contributing to the situation Mm -hmm. um i just i like him so nice liz proves not only is she a terrible liar even though she's getting better she's a terrible actress she really is so they're trying to they're trying to draw out their fbi like tales and max and liz are on a hangout session to make it look like a date but they keep stopping and like talking to each other in low voices like oh pretend i just said something really funny oh look in the window here and liz is so stilted about this you can tell she is very uh (laughs) very not used to doing this so yeah, her laugh when Max is like, pretend I said something funny. And Liz goes, <laughs> oh, Max. We see the UFO center. Uh, Meg had some really good observations about this as well. They have upgraded their UFO center. Um, it is now, because uh, like at the beginning, it was just like freestanding bulletin boards. And now they've built in a lot more uh, permanent structures. Um, so the reason they're trying to keep him busy is because um, Maria, Michael, and Isabel have figured out where this guy is staying, and they are going to go break into his hotel room and go through all of his stuff to see what there is to find. And Michael hasn't done this very often, and there are some subtle hints from Maria, or not so subtle, that this is not new to her. It's so funny. They need to just switch places because Michael's like, Maria, keep watch, keep watch. And she's just following him around being like, oh, you need to look here and you need to look here and you need to do this. And I'm like, listen, just just switch. Let let Michael keep watch. And then Maria rifles through the room. Because she's like, oh, you need to look for luggage tags. Oh, you need to look in toiletries. Oh, you need to look in the garbage because that's where you find out stuff. And she also mentions... You know, because they're like, well, we've got to tail him and not let him know. And she gets really offended. And she's like, you've acted like I've never tailed somebody before. (laughs) So obviously this girl knows what she's doing. But they find a phone number and they call it. And it's Miss Topolsky just answering with her whole name. Topolsky. Dun, dun, dun. They rightfully freak out. Rightfully so. Because Mm -hmm. they know who it is. They know who the guy is reporting to and here in this next scene guys you thought the flirtation scene with susan and michael was bad this scene well first we have a scene in the crashdown cafe uh where liz and michael relate to everybody what they've learned uh but after that maria maria <sighs> They, I cannot believe, again, we have three characters whose name starts with M. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, after that, uh, Miss Sapolsky calls Alex into her office. No. <sighs> Miss Sapolsky drugs Alex's drink at lunch. And she goes to talk to him under the pretense that she's gotten him into this computer class that he wants to get into and unbeknownst to him she has slipped something into his drink which we find out later made his nose bleed 
And me, I'm watching the scene and I'm like, she's knocking him unconscious. No, it's a truth serum. No, what is it? What's happening? What's going on? And then he gets into the bathroom and his nose starts bleeding. And I'm like, she poisoned him. He's going to the hospital. But no, it was a, it was, it just makes his nose bleed. She then, after the, the nosebleed is stopped, she takes his paper towels he was stopping it up with and she sends it into the lab to get tested and it turns out conclusively that yeah alex is the one who donated the blood in max's stead and so megan you brought up an interesting uh an interesting thing because legally if something gets thrown away you don't need you a can warrant legally take it yeah. you don't need a warrant or a judge's order because it's clear this person is like cast it off so it's not illegal that she got his bloody tissue out of the trash can, but it's a little illegal that she uh, poisoned him to do it. Miss Sapolsky calls Alex into her office, and her her demeanor is very different this time around because when she was talking to him earlier outside before she, you know, poisoned his, his drink, she was very friendly and charming and outgoing. And uh, now she's very cold and very solemn. And she's just like, we know. I know everything. And she really like comes at him aggressively and is trying to get him to um, write down everything he knows and signs this confession. And she really plays on his fears of Liz and Max and being shut out. And she tells him, I have friends and they can help you get out of this because what you did, she tells him she knows about the blood. What he did was super, super illegal. And an adult in a position of authority is abusing their position of authority. (laughs) Yeah. um, And it's kind of like the scene with Kyle where both of them think they're speaking, they're talking about something different. Um, But she she's pushing Alex to write down uh, his testimony of what happened at the hospital that day and then sign it. And they really should have just let him because he would have just said it's drugs. But then I guess they would have had they would have had reason to do more blood tests on Max to prove drug use. Um, but who should interrupt this conversation? But no, we're not there yet. What happens? Alex and Max have a conversation in the hallway oh, yeah. where he's just like, Miss Topolsky knows. And Alex is just like, well, I'm not going to tell you everything because that's what it feels like to be in the dark. Mm-hmm. And Max is like, I'm just trying to help you. And Alex is having none of it because even though Max thanks Alex for saving his life, Alex rightfully so says, well, you know, you screwed mine up. So thanks a lot. And, mm-hmm. and leaves and Liz is really having a hard time with Alex having a hard time. And so she invites him to the Crashdown Cafe um, before the dinner rush, I guess. It's it's empty and uh, wants to talk to him about about all of this. And it's a sad scene. Yeah, because she tells him, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you what you want to know. And here we find out that they've known each other. And we, I don't know, I, I like these little, like, drops of information because, you know, Liz says, we've known each other since the fifth grade. And Alex corrects her gently, saying, no, we knew each other from fourth grade on. 
but you didn't notice me until fifth grade. And we just get like a little bit, a little bit more information about like who Alex is and what kind of life he's had that he's, you know, kind of Sidebar. always been in the shadows. When Brandon Sanderson does that, you're like, how come he couldn't tell me she had a wife before? No, I get it. Leaves I like, out I information like all the time. Um, but she is able to help him understand that um, that they're always going to be friends, even though she can't tell him what's going on and she can't tell him why she can't tell him what's going on. And here is where Alex goes from that meeting right to Mr. Polsky. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm ready to talk. Your mm-hmm. friends. What would happen to Liz if I, you know, confided in them? And they're like, well, they would have to do some medical tests on her to make sure nothing bad has happened to her. And I'm like, if Alex is still thinking drugs and like, yeah, but like, this is just so creepy that they're like, oh, yeah, we'd have to take her and do tests on her because she's been interacting with the aliens. He's ready to sign everything. And there's a knock at the door and Liz is the one who shows up and wants to talk to Miss Topolsky alone. So Miss Topolsky leaves Alex in her office alone and goes to talk to Liz. And Liz is, as she's talking to Miss Topolsky, she's just like, listen, yeah, Alex and I have been friends forever. And you know, maybe I've made some new friends and I think he's feeling hurt and she's playing it off that, um, Alex may be making things up in Mm -hmm. order to get back at Liz for moving on to a new friendship. Yeah. Telling tall tales. Meanwhile, Alex is digging through Ms. Topolsky's laptop. He is breaking into her email and getting her computer to send him emails and information. And this is why I'm screaming that you need Alex on your team because having a really good hacker who has a solid life skill that isn't just magical molecule manipulation... uh, Well, he is able to deduce she's FBI. And Liz, bad actress that she is, not not the actual actress. I mean, Liz, the character, is a bad actress, which it's very funny to see a good, solid actress pretending to be a bad actress. Anyway, Miss Topolsky twigs that something's up, and she runs back to the office, and Alex spins the laptop around and reveals that, Miss Topolsky's FBI and he's like what is FBI doing in West Roswell and she like drops the pretense and she threatens them and she's like just because you know what I am doesn't mean that you're safe and it's like whoa and she pretty much is like you are you know things for you are going about to get so much worse and then she just leaves she takes her laptop takes all of her things and just walks out the door and leaves the school. And in meanwhile, I'm laughing at her and being like, Wah-hah. she got made by a couple of 10th graders. Like, not only did the sheriff spot who she was right away, but these high school sophomores have cracked her cover. She's a horrible FBI agent. No wonder Richard Schiff's character was screaming at her last round. With all the mistakes she's made, she feels like a rookie. But I, this is going to go off in two different ways. A, if she's a rookie, I can't believe that they would put her in charge of something this important. Or B, they, she's a rookie, so they put her in charge of something that they don't think is important. 
But it's clearly so. important. I mean, Richard Schiff's character was screaming about the importance of his operation. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's almost the end, but not quite, because Alex insists to Liz again that she tell him what's going on. And if she doesn't, he's going to walk. And she just looks at him and tells him that she can't. And he does. He walks away. And I don't, you know, at first she does not believe he'll do it because she's like, oh, Alex, don't say something you don't mean. And he says, no, I'm serious. And she's like, I can't. And he leaves. He leaves. And that is the end of that episode. We're left not on a cliffhanger, but on knowing that things have changed. Things continue to change. And it's really weighing heavily on Liz. All the all the emotional consequences that are coming from that. Not that I want to compare this to Vampire Diaries, but I feel like this compared to Vampire Diaries, Vampire Diaries has a lot more action going on. Mm-hmm. And this is still building up the mystery. Yeah. V- Vampire Diaries has very clear, like, plot goals and arcs that stretch over a certain number of episodes. And this is more like there's one slow mystery, which is these kids are aliens and we don't want people to find out. And every episode is someone almost finds out, but at the last second, we keep the secret. And I think that means by the end of season one, the secret has to get, like, out, out. Right. I'm going to write that down as one of your guesses. guesses. Yeah. Also, I I wonder if Miss Topolsky won't show up next episode if she gets pulled. Because she's not a series regular. She's still credited as a special guest star. So I wonder if she just has, like, a fewer number of appearances this season. Uh, This was episode eight? Nine? Eight. Eight. Okay. Um, And you've pointed this out before, but whenever we're watching a TV episode together, we try not to read the guest stars of the week because... Mm -hmm. We feel like it gives away, if it's there's even spoilers. someone slightly famous in that episode, they've done it. Yeah, when I'm watching a show, I'll even skip the previously on because I'm like, no, no, this is spoilers for the episode I'm about to watch. <laughs> I have to say, um, I'm curious as to what sort of information was inside Atherton's house. I mean, we had a box of it. There's all this extra stuff in the basement. I know we... We took the necklace, but what other information was there? Like, what was it all about? Well, because they did take the box of stuff, but then and their then house that got, got robbed. stolen. But I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't even look at it. I mean, was it maps? Was it charts? Was it unintelligible gibberish? Was it drafts of his book? Like, I know it was papers, but they didn't indicate what any of the information actually was and I would be I would be invested in finding out more of what Atherton had collected mm-hmm. before he was murdered. Listen, since I've only seen sixty percent of the series, how am I supposed to tell you? I don't know. Let's see. Um so the next next week's episode is called Heat Wave. Meg, uh do you want to make some guesses on what Heat Wave is gonna be about? summertime in Roswell, New Mexico and Isabel's using her powers willy-nilly because it's hot and she hates being inconvenienced. Like being 
inconvenienced. Perfect. It's a good guess. All right. Well, guys, this has been fun, but Meg and I have got to stop procrastinating and I've got to go back and get working on my book. <laughs> I had to go draw more storyboards. I believe in you so I hard. I believe in you. Awesome. Ready? Break. for tuning into my sister made me view it roswell 1999 edition uh we are having so much fun doing this thanks for listening we super appreciate you guys you can join us again in two weeks on november 4th for our next episode of my sis made me view it roswell uh if you're interested in any of our other podcasts megan and i do two other sis made me view it uh what's the word i'm looking for media podcast types i guess we do my sis made me view it the haunting of hill house and my sis made me view it the way of kings by brandon sanderson so if you want to join us on thursday october 28th you can hear our next way of kings podcast episode and then if you join us on november 2nd you can hear our latest haunting of hill house episode so we hope to see you there A special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We love this. Thank you so much, Michael. We super appreciate you. Also, check us out on our Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. It's all lowercase, no special symbols or anything like that. Come see pictures of our pets, behind the scenes pictures, and announcements for new episodes. We hope you have a great week. Go forward. Get all the stuff done you need to, be a boss, and remember, we believe in you.